You know, I do these shows because there's uh, an element of my uh, there's an element of my personality which is to wake people up and try to get them to understand what they're going through, so as to make the quality of their life better. But in the current age, there are so many people now that have fallen into some deep abyss that is, is almost under miss. I don't understand how it is that we got this way. I don't understand how it is that all of these Western cultures have embraced such unorthodox ideas. But you see when you look back over time and you see how things evolve, you understand that human nature has not changed a lot in thousands of years. We are still as belligerent, self-serving, opportunistic, lazy, and we always point the blame at other people when our own lives don't turn out the way that we want them. We blame the system, we blame the government, we blame our parents. We're always able to blame someone else. And, and, and it's in that blame that displays our own lack of self-awareness. No one really knows if there is climate change because the rules keep changing. The rule is that if we reduce our carbon output by so many tons, if we revert back to a, a period of time, I think it's 1970 or something, that somehow magically the temperature of the earth will recede and it won't get so warm. That's what they're worried about. Run away. You know, they've got the whole thing in your head. You know, first there's the carbon. Then there's the trapping of the heat and the melting of the glaciers and the rising of the seas and the increase in tornadic and hurricane and typhoon events. But then they throw in other things like agriculture you know, species dying, trees dying, the coral reefs dying, the fish because the oceans become too acidic. The trees no longer bear fruit. The soil is no longer able to produce vegetables and on and on and on. And then it becomes a racial component. Refugees from places that are hard hit like Bangladesh they should be entitled to reparations because they've been suffering from climate change because of what the West has done. Because the Western nations poured all this excess carbon into the atmosphere. <clears throat> and if you know anything about it, the assessment back in the, I guess the 70s, they say that the amount of carbon in the atmosphere equaled 250 parts per billion. And now it's up to 400 parts per billion. Now, to give you some context, during the 1300s, when they were growing tomatoes in Norway and Sweden because of global warning, warming, they, um, they had 1,500 parts per billion. And they can do this by measuring the amount of carbon in tree rings, I, I suppose, or other 
places where you can do that kind of experimenting. So they can they can measure at least in certain regions, you know, what the carbon might have been in the atmosphere. Now there are a whole host of host of reasons why you might have extra carbon in the atmosphere. One of them, and the most common, is volcanic activity. Uh, in a day or a week, the amount of volcanic activity outpaces human activity. 62 billion tons of carbon is what they estimate that we put out last year. Isn't that interesting? They can measure all that carbon. What do they do? They take a, an example and then multiply it. Well, if it's this much in this area and we multiply it by these many areas, that's our car. it doesn't take into anything wind rain, storms, uh, jet streams, ocean temperatures, solar radiation. None of that is ever factored in to any of these equations that they come up with to measure the amount of carbon. And then they look at the carbon in, in, in it's like two charts. You've seen them. Oh, they, sh they show the rise of temperature from 1950. Oh, it's going up, it's going up. The average temperature was 55 point three degrees in 1950 now it's 57.2 degrees and it's all because of this amount of carbon increase and that's their entire hypothesis and so it's been simplified to directly related relating the average global mean temperature that goes up now it could actually be that it just so happens that with the amount of cities and urban areas that we've created which tends to trap heat that that could be the, the reason why we've had some fluctuation in heat <clears throat> but as far as the plants and agriculture go all i ever hear is that there are more trees on the planet and there are more flowers and there are the uh, yeah we're exploiting the soil through churn uh, and exploitation, but that may not have anything directly to do with carbon. But it takes a thinking man to try to unravel all of this, and it takes a lot of research, you know. And I, I, it, it's not as if I'm not sensitive to ecology and environmental issues, smog, quality of water, waste, the amount of China waste, is unbelievable. They have four times more people than the United States, so you know that they at least produce at least four times the the waste, whatever that waste is. And they don't have the regulatory commissions that we have here. We are a very regulated place, and that's a good thing. You know, I saw this in play during the 1970s when they would have SIG alerts in Los Angeles. And they knew that it was directly related to, um, what do they call those in cars? Forget. Anyway, they replaced those things. Uh, catalytic converters, I think. Anyway, it used to produce a lot more smog. And, and also, gasoline back in the 70s was not as refined. A lot of people were still driving around with low-octane lead gas. And that contributed, and there were... Three, four million people on L.A. roads every day, twice a day. So that was contributing to the smog. So they put in remedies, and guess what? The smog levels went down, and people could go out, and they could breathe again. And that's the kind of environmental 
policy, I think, is, is sound. It's based on science. It's not based on theories. And it doesn't try to include every other aspect of life and say, well, we, if, you know, put it all in one cup and say, okay, the world is going to end if we don't, if we don't suddenly revert back to using 50% less energy than when you're using today. Now, you know, when you look at the Turkey and Syria disaster from the earthquake and you see those big boulders up there uh, and you see all that rubble and you see all those buildings that have been crumbled to the ground and the streets that have been ripped asunder and all those other horrible things that you see, there's a few million people that live in that whole stretch and they've been horribly marred by this this force of nature. And do you think for a moment that renewable energy would be enough to power these large vehicles that have to dig through all the rubble to save all of those lives? Do you think that solar power and wind power would be much use to those people in Turkey and Syria? Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. So people have to think about these things. And they don't think about these things because they're told what to think. And this won't be the first time that we've talked about climate change. That's one of the key issues, I think, driving policy today. And it is, as I've said before, it is a dangerous policy and it will kill civilization. So this is not an issue that I will stop talking about. Speaking Out with JR continues. You know, I, I do these, what drives me to do this, just so you know, is my sincere desire to rescue my fellow man. It's true. It's why I do this. I don't do it for clickbait. I'm not doing it to make a whole lot of money. Matter of fact, I'm putting a lot of my own time and energy into these because what I see is a crumbling of society. I mean, it's not good. I, I am an optimist. I am basically an optimist, but what I see happening around the world is is akin to the remember the movie uh remember the movie invasion of the body snatchers part one and two they were both essentially the same message and the message was that people are somehow losing their ability to think for themselves really that's what it is it's the inability to think for oneself to always defer to the authority and it's a theme that we see in Aldo Huxley's Brave New World. It's a scene, it's a it's a theme that we see in it, it's a theme in 1984 in the sense that the government is trying to break people from the idea of thinking for themselves. If you think about the two plus two equals five scenario that shows itself, and it's indeed it's the last scene. In the movie 1984, not to be a spoiler, but by now everybody's either read the book. Oh, what? You haven't read the book? You haven't seen the movie? Well, maybe you should because it is about what we are talking about and what is actually happening. People have been inculcated with belief systems that are no different. Hear me out on this. They are no different from the way the Mayans were controlled by their hierarchy. They're astronomers. And it, for many of the same reasons, the climate. There was a period 
where the Mayans in Central America were enduring a horrible drought. And they were losing their agriculture. People were starving. And when that happens, usually what, there's two things. Either governments lose control because the people are just become desperate or they become subjugated because they have no resources and they, they believe that the government is the only thing that can save them. So what did the government do? Uh, and, and I don't know, I'm not a, a Mayan expert, but I sense that there were two reasons why there were beheadings during that Mayan period where they would uh, have these grand ceremonies to appease the solar god, that by appeasing the solar god they would get the rains or they would get the coolness, or they would get a break from the treacherous heat and, and the famine that resulted from it. And so they would have these elaborate ceremonies, time to occur on a certain day, time to occur at a certain hour, and then up to the moment of that moment of that hour of that day, they would have these, these ceremonial sacrifices. And essentially they would take prisoners that they had to feed and they would just take them up to the top of the pyramid or where they would have the kings sitting in their, their thrones and the king's supporters and all of the henchmen dressed in garb, makeup, uh, paint, painted faces, all kinds of insignias. And it was their, uh, it was almost a, the religious hierarchy of the Mayans but they knew something that the rest of the people didn't know. They had information that was not available to the masses, and that information told them when there were going to be solar and lunar eclipses. And if you remember, up to 2012, I think most of the Western society was convinced that because the Mayan calendar ended at 2012, that that's when the end of the earth. Remember that? You remember that? Remember there was a kind of a... Uh-oh, you know, the Mayan calendar ends in 2012. They, in fact, they even made a movie, 2012. And so the people who were under the Mayan culture believed in the authorities. They believed that these people would save them and that they had access to the gods, and that they could manipulate and they could consort with deity and bring peace and pleasure but they had to make sacrifices. Everyone in that community had to make sacrifices. And that would include <clears throat> getting your head cut off. Mm. And the people that did that, willingly or not, were making homage to the solar deity. And then all of a sudden, the moon would get in front of the sun. And the people would bow down on their knees and prostrate themselves. And they would bow to the king who was able to, you know, soften the anger of God, of the sun God. And that would last for an hour or 20 minutes. And then the moon would continue, the sun would come out again, but at least everybody saw the spectacle. And for at least 100 years, these people believed that it was because of their sacrifices that they were able to dispel the anger of the gods and that they were able to save the planet. But it was only because they were willing to sacrifice their livelihoods, their families, their homes, their entire way of life, 
only by making that sacrifice were they able to get just a moment of reprieve from the angry gods. Now, how is that any different from people today who want to completely strip civilization of prosperity in order to save the planet? You know, uh, there was a good article last week written by Joseph Fraschino. <clears throat> and uh, the headline reads, Freud explains the woke movement. Sigmund Freud is perhaps best known for his enduring concepts of explaining human behavior in terms of the superego, the ego, and the id. The superego strives for moral perfection. The id imposes selfish demands and primal urges. And the ego strives to maintain a realistic balance between the two. That's, that's Freud's way of, of summing up humanity and what drives us. To be woke is to be moral. The woke are committed to elevating society to a state of pure and collective moralism in which each individual neither falls victim to or generates offensive thoughts, speech, or actions. And Freud knew that the superego does have his excesses, and it often leads to dysfunctional behavior. Feminism is not advanced by demonizing toxic masculinity. We know this. People of color are not lifted by demonizing white privilege, but the woke do. Criminal behavior is not lessened by handcuffing law enforcement, but the woke do. Firing non-vaxxers does not infuse them with the desire to be more socially responsible. Changing the name of the Washington Redskins was not on any Native American's bucket list, and Hispanics don't even know what Latinx stands for. But the woke continue with their efforts. This man writes, Woke is punitive, not persuasive. It is a secular inquisition. Freud also knew that the excesses of the superego will eventually lead to a rising up of the id. Francisco writes, Woke behavior stems basically from a lack of ego and self-worth. And from a political perspective, one might conclude that the woke movement is basically an authoritarian social construct. It is a movement conceptually akin to Islamic fundamentalism. Follow the teachings of Allah or we'll behead you. It's a great article. You'll find it on American Thinker. Joseph Fraschino wrote it. Freud explains the woke movement. And he's zeroed in on something I think is a very important point to make, which is this is where people get succumbed. And when I'm talking about the invasion of the body snatchers, you, you have to understand that people want to believe in something. And it makes them feel empowered when they believe in something, when they have something that they can get up in the morning and fight. And if their world is full of, of, of the enemy, then their fight never ends. But the ramifications of these people are to fundamentally transform our world. What is up is now down. What is left is now right. What is right is now left. What is 2 plus 2 equals 5. Why? Because we said so. And so that motivates me to want to try to wake you up wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever position in life you come from, if you're black or white or of indigenous, uh, or if you're from some country I've never heard of and can't pronounce or can't even find on a map, it really doesn't matter. 
you know, so we talk about race, we talk about gender, we talk about the climate, and today we spent a lot of time talking about wokeism and the dangers of it. And it, it's, it's driven by compassion and emotion. I heard a commentator talking about this not long ago that, you know, we wake up in the morning looking for something to do. That is a good quality of human beings, that we are, we are compelled to want to do something to make a difference in our otherwise normal and probably perhaps even boring life. And we feel powerless. So what better way to correct that by getting involved in a movement that you think is going to change the world for the better? But a lot of these people, they don't realize that they're being misguided. They think that they're trying to fight for the rights of young people who want to have a transgender operation. Uh, but they don't realize that, you know, they're actually harming these people. And so... And one day they're going to wake up and realize that's exactly what they did. And I, I fear for them because it's, it's a horrible consequence when you wake up and you realize, my God, what was I thinking? The website address, speakingoutamerica.com, JR, I'm your host. And our podcast also located on our website. We'll see you again soon. 